As we look at the book of 1 Kings in the 17th chapter, at this point in Israel's history, um, they were a mess. And just to put it mildly, they had had one bad king after another. And every, every king that came along just seemed to get progressively worse than the one before them. And as often happens, the evil in the hearts of, of Israel's leaders had poured down into the very core of the people they led. And so the result was political insurrection, personal iniquity, physical immorality, and pagan idolatry. The kingdom, quite literally, was at a crisis point. The chasm, the spiritual chasm between God and his people had reached its breadth. They desperately needed God to send a revival. They needed him to shake them loose from their sin, to stir their hearts once again for his glory. Enter a prophet named Elijah. His name literally meant, my God is Jehovah. His name was a, was a open, unapologetic declaration of his allegiance to God. His first preaching engagement, his first assignment, I should say, was a preaching engagement given to him by God to an audience of one. He was a king. He was a wicked king named Ahab. His message was short, just 25 words by my count, and it was also direct. Here it is exactly, verse 1, chapter 17. He looked at that wicked king and he said, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And with that, Elijah's first assignment was complete. And you would think at this point that, that his next one would be just as bold and even more public, seeing how he completed this first one in such a, a stellar way, but not so. Look at God's next assignment for Elijah beginning in verse 2. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went, and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, 
and bread and flesh in the evening. And he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. I want you to go back. I want you to notice the first three words of verse 3 and the first three words of verse 5. Verse 3, get thee hence. Verse 5, so he went. With God's help, I'm going to preach to you today a message that I've entitled, Get There. Get There, the blessing of living in obedience. A man by the name of Christian Herder served as a congressman from Massachusetts from 1942 to 1953. During one of his re-election campaigns, after a busy morning out chasing votes, he arrived at a church barbecue. He hadn't eaten anything all day, and he was starved. And as he moved through the serving line, he held out his plate to the woman that was serving the chicken. And she put a piece of, of chicken on his plate, and then she turned to the next person. Uh, excuse me, the congressman said. Do you mind if I have another piece of chicken? Sorry. I was told to only give one piece of chicken to each person. But I'm starved, said the congressman. To which the lady replied, sorry, only one per person. Well, on a, on a normal day, congressman Herder was modest, and, and he was a very unassuming man. But he decided that this time he was going to throw a little weight around, and so he said to her, do you know who I am? I am a congressman of the United States. <laughs> the woman looked at him and said, do you know who I am? I'm the lady serving the chicken. <laughs> so move on. That little old lady, bless her heart, all she was doing was being obedient. All she was doing was exactly what she was told to do. Which is exactly what Elijah did. God said, get up, and he got up. And she was doing exactly what you and I are supposed to do and what God directs us to do, and that is obey. Now, just to be clear, as you read through the Old Testament, God didn't just suggest that his people be obedient. He didn't even ask them to be obedient. He demanded their obedience. And I submit to you this morning that his expectations of us as 21st century Christians has not lessened through the years. God still demands obedience from his people. That being the case, let's consider some, some things here about obedience as it's demonstrated in the life of Elijah. Let's begin with this truth this morning. If you're taking notes, obedience doesn't always make sense. 
And we'll look at this in, in Elijah's situation in a minute. But think with me, think with me back to the story of, of Abraham and, and his obedience. If you remember from the earliest parts of, of Abraham's life, God had, had promised that from his son would come a, a great nation. But the only problem was Abraham and Sarah didn't have any children, let alone a son. But if you know the story, God eventually blessed them with a son. They, they named him Isaac which made it possible, this son made it possible for God to fulfill his promise. And it was a good day. And all was well. Life was good. And then seemingly out of nowhere, God instructs Abraham to take his son Isaac to the top of Mount Moriah and to offer him as a sacrifice. Now, if you get a chance this afternoon, when you get home, read all of, of Genesis chapter 22. It is a great story uh, of faith and obedience. But let me ask you this this morning. How much sense do you suppose it made to Abraham to obey God? God, we have waited for years for this son and and, and, and it was through this son that you said that you are going to, to, to make a great nation. And, and now you're asking me to take our son, our only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. Think with me to the feeding of the 5,000, which was really more accurately was probably the feeding of the 20,000 and more. By the time you count women and children. But what, what about that, that episode where, where Jesus fed this huge group of people with five loaves of bread and two small fish? You can read that miracle in all four Gospels. But here's my question this morning. How much sense do you think it made to the disciples to obey Jesus when Jesus told them to have everyone sit down so he could feed them. Does he not know? Like five loaves of bread and two fish. How are we going to eat, feed all these people? I could eat that by myself. And so the disciples there are trying to figure this out. How much sense, you with me this morning? How much sense do you think it made for the disciples to say, hey, all you people sit down, we're going to feed you. Let's go back to the Old Testament. What about the book of Joshua? We just preached through the book of Joshua. Joshua was a great military leader. Joshua had fought battles. He's a great leader. He's a strong man. He's a brave man, a courageous man. And here they are, and they're facing this, this gigantic walled city called Jericho. And so no doubt Joshua is expecting for God to give him some guidance, and, and he goes out there, and here's, here's God's strategy. Here's how you're going to defeat this huge walled city. Now listen, Joshua, get this. Your people are going to walk around that city one time every day for six days. 
Well, God, when, when, do we, when do we throw the rock? When do we shoot the arrow? When do we scale the wall? Joshua, just go around the city. Nobody, nobody's going to say anything. Just go around the city one time a day for six days. Okay, we can do that, God. And then after that is probably when we're going to invade. And then on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the city seven times. And then shout, and when you shout, the walls are going to come down. Come on, how much sense did that make to a military leader? But you know the story, they didn't launch an arrow, they didn't throw a rock, they didn't scale a wall, and God did exactly what he said he would do. And so let's get back to Elijah. How much sense do you think it made to Elijah for God to tell him to go hide himself? Come on, man, he came to preach. The nation needed a voice. Israel needed a revival. My God, are you serious? This is not the time for me to go hide somewhere. But again, obedience doesn't always make sense. How much sense does it make to love and pray for those who don't love us and who treat us bad? How much sense does it make to forgive those who, in our estimation, don't deserve forgiveness? How much sense does it make sometimes to wait on the Lord when it seems that there's no time to wait? I mean, this situation is calling for immediate action. Come on, God, let's go. How much sense does it make to continue to pray for something when it's never you never get an answer. How much sense does it make to keep witnessing to the lost when it seems that they don't want to listen? And what about tithing? How much sense does that make? Come on. I mean, first I, I don't. I mean, I don't know how you can stand there and and make sense of God doing more with the 90% I have left over after I've given him my 10% than I can do with the entire 100%. I'm just telling you, obedience doesn't always make sense. Which brings us to this second thought. The fact that obedience doesn't always make sense means that it always requires faith. Obedience always requires faith. And if you've been around here for very long, then you know how I like to to define faith. It is believing the Word of God and acting on it no matter how I feel because God promises a good result. It required faith, believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how he felt. I'm talking about Abraham now. How do you think he felt at that moment when God told him to do that? But it took faith for him to obey God. It took faith, believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how they felt at the time, 
Because God promised a good result. The disciples, it took faith for them to tell all of those people to sit down and get ready to eat when they knew all they had was five loaves of bread and two small fish. It took faith for Elijah to do what God told him to do. But church, note this this morning. There was no arguing on Elijah's part. There was no bartering. There was, there was no wheeling and dealing with God. There was no questioning God. Elijah didn't have to pray about it. Come on. He didn't have to pray. Well, God, I'll get back with you. I mean, pray about it. He didn't have to pray about it. He just did it. Hey, listen to me this morning. We don't have to pray about obeying God. We don't have to ask God whether or not he wants us to to love our enemies and do good for those who mistreat us. He's already written it right here. He said, yes, that's what I want you to do. We don't have to pray about forgiving someone. We don't have to pray about witnessing to the lost. We don't have to pray about being faithful to church and, and, and to our ministry responsibilities. Listen, we don't even have to pray about tithing. We just need to do it by faith. Believe the Word of God and act on it no matter how you feel because God promises a good result. I mean, you have to know that that Elijah was just chomping at the bit to continue his public ministry. But I believe God sent him away to this, this, this secluded place because he wanted him to prove his faithfulness in private before he allowed him to minister any further in public. Sometimes we may struggle with God's plan for our life at certain points thinking that there must be something more. There's got to be something bigger. There's got to be something better. And the truth is, this morning, there may be. But it could very well be God's plan to prove us in the little things first. Luke chapter 16 and verse 10, He that is faithful in that which is is least is faithful in that which is much. And he that is faithful, or that that is unjust in the least, is unjust also in much. We often want certain things in life and in ministry. And we struggle with the fact that they're not happening for us. But maybe, maybe the reason they're not happening for us is because we're not being faithful with what we have now. Hey, write this down. Greater opportunities later require immediate obedience now. Greater opportunities later require immediate obedience obedience now obedience doesn't always make sense so it always requires faith and here's a third thought obedience isn't always easy can I get a witness right there 
obedience isn't always easy. We read it, I showed you. Elijah did exactly what God told him to do. Did he not? Get thee hence. So he went. He did exactly what God told him to do. And then watch this. It came to pass after a while, verse 7, that the brook dried up. What's up with that? You remember the story of, of the disciples? Jesus told them to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so got, they got in the boat. They started making their way. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They didn't question him. They didn't argue with him. They didn't try to uh, 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 strike a deal with him. They just got in the boat. They started the other side. And they got right in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. And this huge storm comes up. You remember that story? What's up with that? They were obeying God. They were doing exactly what God told them to do. Elijah was doing exactly what God told him to do. And the brook dried up. And the disciples nearly lost their lives. What's up with that? What's up is God has a plan. Look at the person next to you and say, God has a plan. That's what's up. God has a plan. Cherith was part of God's plan for Elijah. It was a training ground of sorts for him. Listen, sometimes the pathway of obedience takes us through some valleys of difficulty. But let's not forget the words of James when he said this, My brethren, that's us. Count it all joy. He said, when you fall into divers' temptations, that, that divers, that phrase there means various trials or assorted testings. Knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work. You notice there James said her perfect work and not his perfect work. Let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. We always tend to think of the cherubs in our lives. I'm talking about those, those, those difficult times of our life. We always have a tendency to look at those things as bad things. But church, listen, they're not always bad there are many times when in the pathway of obedience, I'm talking about we're living for the Lord, we're walking with God, we're, we're, we're serving Him to the best of our ability that He leads us to a cherub for one good reason or the other. Think of Joseph. I mean, he was, he was really climbing in the ranks of the Egyptians when he was falsely accused of rape and thrown into the dungeon. Did that happen because God was displeased with Joseph? No. Study Joseph's life. God was very pleased with Joseph. It happened because God had some things of great value to teach him before he promoted him to bigger and better things. Right in the, the middle of Paul's first missionary journey, 
which, by the way, was being met with incredible, remarkable success. He was stoned at a place called Lystra and left to, left to die. Now, I think you'd agree with me that that's a dry brook. It's a bad day. It's a hard place. Do you know what? That day became one of the turning points in his life and ministry. Listen, church, not all sickness, not all financial reversal, not every unanswered prayer or unfulfilled dream is to be considered some kind of negative message from God. Sometimes these events in our lives are for our training. Sometimes God wants to teach us some things that can only be taught at the dried up brooks of our lives. You may be at a, a Cherith right now as you're sitting before me this morning and you're struggling and you're, you're trying to the best of your ability to figure out why. You're probably trying to figure out, well, what did I do wrong to, to deserve this difficult situation that I'm facing right now? And the truth is, my friend, you may not have done anything wrong. You could be on the verge of a new level of service for the Lord. So hang on. So let's review. Obedience doesn't always make sense. That's why it always takes faith. Obedience isn't always easy. But here's the final thought this morning. It is always blessed. Obedience is always blessed. Now stay with me here. This is really the message. So stay with me. We'll be done in a minute. Notice the end of verse 4. I have commanded the ravens to feed thee, what's that, that next word? Say it again, what is it? There. there. God said, I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Where was there? Cherith. Go to Cherith. I've, I've commanded the ravens to feed you there at Cherith. Now, what if Elijah had gone somewhere else? What if he would have said, you know, Cherith, Cherith you know how far that is from here? And I'm walking, and it's hot outside. That's a long way. It's just too far. Or what if, what if Elijah would have decided to, uh, to go to a, di a different direction totally or to a different place altogether? I'll tell you what, if he would have missed the blessing. Stay with me now. He would have missed the blessing and probably would have ended up starving to death if he didn't die of thirst first. Look at it. God said, I will command or God didn't say I will command the ravens God said I have commanded the ravens listen those birds were already in route to Cherith 
God had already told him, you get there because I've got somebody coming you need to take care of. And so the birds were already on their way. The blessing was already set. The blessing was ready for Elijah for when he got there. The reason, listen to this, the reason some people miss out on God's blessings is because they are not where God has promised to bless. Hmm. Can we just read that out loud this morning? Look at the screen, read it out loud. The reason some people miss out on God's blessings is because they are not where God has promised to bless. Pastor Tyler, they're here. When God's blessings are there. You can't be here and be blessed when God's blessings are over there. And listen, God's theirs are very clear in the scriptures. Like Elijah, who didn't, well, well God, where, where's there? It's Cherith. God told him where it was. It was clear. It was plain. And I'm telling you, God's theirs in the scripture when it comes to obedience are very clear. When it comes to giving, God is very clear. There is clear. It is 10% off the top and then whatever else he lays on your heart to give as a love offering. That's the book. It's there that God promises to bless. When it comes to church attendance, we don't have to guess where there is. There is here. Anytime the doors are open, when it comes to treating others the right way, we don't have, well, well, God, what does that look like? God made it very clear what that looks like. We treat them the way we want to be treated. <laughs> Everyone over here is looking at those people over there, and they're thinking in their hearts, man, I... I wish I was being blessed like they are. And I wish God would bless me here like he's blessing those people over there. But everybody over there just seemed to be blessed. Man, that's awesome. I, I, I wish I could live a life like theirs. You can. Just quit living here in a life of disobedience and, and make your way over here where God's blessings are. The reason you're not being blessed is because you're here the workout you're here and you're wanting here what god has promised to only give you over there so move from here to there quit practicing partial obedience quit practicing obedience only when it's easy or only when it's convenient or only when it fits in your budget or only when it fits in your time quit doing that here and move your spiritual hind in over there And do it now. Quit trying to make deals with God. Well, God, I'll serve you over here. If you'll bless me over there, it's not going to happen. You can't be here in a life of partial obedience and convenient obedience and easy obedience and ob obedience according to your rules and guidelines and expect to be blessed like those people over there who are living in full obedience. They're not making excuses. It's not always easy. It doesn't always make sense. They're living there by faith and they're being blessed. 
I'm out. Like more treadmill time. Does that make sense today? It's not hard to understand. God told Elijah, you get there. The blessing's already there. There's going to be food there. There's going to be water there. You just get there. You get there. I'll take care of you there. Maybe that's God's message to somebody here today. You're hanging out over here. Man, you'd really like to have what these folks over here are getting in on. You say, I want some of that. You can have some of that. If you're willing to leave here and get there. So let me ask you this morning. Are you here? Or are you there? If you're there... Stay there. Don't leave there. Because that could be a launching pad to even greater things for you. Two more verses, and I'm done. Verse 8. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth in Zidon, and dwell, what's that word? There. Behold. I've commanded a widow woman there to sustain me. You see it? God had another there for Elijah. And God said, listen, I've already got the woman there. She doesn't know it, but she's going to be used to me to do some great things, some mighty things, some incredible things. You're going to see me do something there that you have never seen me do before. So get there. What did Elijah do? He got there. No doubt as quick as he could. Read the story. It's amazing. Listen, obedience opens the door to an amazing journey with God. I was thinking about this this morning. In two weeks, Pastor Tyler, my son, will assume the pastorate, the leadership of this church. You know why? Because there was a time in his life when he was obedient. But before he was obedient, he wasn't. He wanted to surrender his life. I want to do whatever God wants me to do, except I don't want to preach. So he was here. And he was trying to make the rules. He's trying to tell God, well, I'll do this and this and this, but I won't do this. And every time he would come to the altar, I'd pray with him. I'd say, eh, no, no good. You don't make the rules, bud. God makes the rules. And until you're willing to say, I'll do anything God wants me to do, even preach, then you're still living here. God wants you over there. And I remember the night we were praying together at the altar in the old property. There's a family, preached on the family from the book of Nehemiah. Our family was gathered around the altar. We we're praying. We finished praying. We stood up and felt this. So I knelt back down. Pastor Tyler said, I'm willing, I'm ready to surrender my life to the Lord. I said, you know what that means? Are you willing to preach? That's what God wants you to do. He said, yes. 
I think he would agree this morning that that decision to obey launched him on an amazing journey with God. That's what obedience does. It'll take you places and let you see God do things that you never thought would happen. It's, it's amazing. Some of you may be struggling with some theirs right now with respect to what God expects of you as a believer. That is, you're, you're struggling. You say, preacher... I know about everything you said in the message today, and I'm just going to be honest with you. I'm struggling with, with some of these things that you even talked about today. Loving people and forgiving people and being faithful and serving and tithing and giving offerings. I'm just struggling with some of these areas of obedience. And I'm just going to tell you today that you will not enjoy God's best blessings until you obey there and remember greater opportunities later require immediate obedience now and the brothers here this morning as far as you know you you look inside and you look at your life as far as you know you're living in obedience to God and his word but still things are hard financially right now it's hard emotionally right now it's hard physically right now it's hard relationally right now it's hard you're just in a really dry and difficult place right now here's what i encourage you to do this morning stay there don't run somewhere else stay there and believe the word of God and act on it. No matter how you're feeling right now, I'm discouraged right now, I'm lonely right now, I'm confused right now, I'm hurt right now, stay there and believe the word of God and act on it. No matter how you feel, because God, not your preacher, not your pastor, not your parents, not some friend somewhere, but God, because God promises a good result. Would you pray with me this morning?